morning. Thank you, Pastor John. It is great to be back in Huron. We came in last night and Rachel and I drove around town and reminisced. We were back here, we were here in 19, we came in 81, about this time of the years in 1981. Some of you are doing math, don't do that. It's, it's really depressing. But uh, we, we drove by our old house, we drove around town, drove through the fairgrounds, because it was right at fair time that we came. And we had a great time uh, just remembering different places and people and events. And uh, so it's good to be back here. I'm reminded of a story that, uh, is it better that I go up there is it better for the sound? Okay, all right. There, just a couple feet. Um, reminded of a story of a, a, a minister. He was from an Appalachian area, Kentucky, Tennessee area, and he, he was assigned to go and preach a funeral. It, it was a, someone who had died who had no family, and so there was, there was this remote cemetery, and he had never been there before. And he, this minister had the skill of playing the bagpipes, uh, and he was known for that. And so he would bring his bagpipes. He would play a few songs at the graveside. Just beautiful, beautiful touch. So he, on his way, he got turned around and got in the wrong area, and he was delayed, and and didn't get there, and finally, when he got there, it was way past the time for the funeral, or for the graveside service. And so, there was nobody there. He, he pulled up, and here were two workers standing there with their shovels, and, and he thought, boy, I have blown it big time. But he thought, you know, for the sake of this man, I'm, I'm gonna follow through and do what I committed to do. So he took his bagpipes and he, he started playing at the, the graveside and played Amazing Grace and it just wafted across the hills and the two workers were standing there with their hands folded and took their hats off and covered their hearts and I mean they were very respectful and he played a couple and read a couple verses and then he prayed and, and turned and, and went away and as he's getting into his car, he heard one of the workmen say, you know, I have never seen anything like that. In all my years of installing septic tanks, I have never seen anything like that. So I'm glad I'm at the right place, and uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, I just, just sense the, the Holy Spirit here this morning and communicating something with us. Have you, have you noticed in the newspapers, on the television news, and everywhere you look, the chaos that there is. This last week, Barcelona, uh, uh, the, the big mess down in is it Charlottesville, and uh, then in Boston, and I mean, it's just all across the country. You start naming a city and you'll find there's, there's issues there. I was talking to a couple this morning and they're from, uh, Colorado and legalized marijuana and they said people are moving in from all over the country and and it's not a good thing. And just, just So everywhere you look you, you see conflict and you see mess. And as a, as a believer sometimes 
you know, you, you do just get to the place where maybe John the Revelator was at the end of Revelation. He says, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly. That frustration that only Jesus is going to be able to resolve all of this mess. And we want him to do it real soon. But there's a promise that God gave us. And it's repeated many different times through the scriptures. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 14. John's Gospel, chapter 14. Just, just one verse. In verse one, it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. First part of that, let not your heart be troubled. There, there's many passages of scripture. We can turn to the book of Matthew chapter six. And in the middle of, of turmoil, Jesus writes this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not Worry. Can, can you say that with me? Do not worry. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't worry. Okay? There is a message that God is trying to get through in all of Scripture. Did you know that there are 365 references in the Scriptures that says, uh, don't worry, be not afraid, something of that nature 365 times, the scripture says, don't worry. Let not your heart be troubled. Be not afraid. Fear not. Three Wait a minute, 365. Coincidence? I don't think so. One for every day of the year, a different verse you can pick up and say, Jesus says, don't worry. I can trust him. 
Your word this morning, right on. God's got this. God's got us. He's going to take care of us. You know, if I think of a, of a, a vernacular, you know, just the, the common speak that we do today, if one of my brothers came to me and I'm struggling with him and I've got a couple of big strong brothers and they said, don't worry, Steve, we've got this. I know that I can, I can rest easy that they're gonna take care of it. I've got this. That's the way we say it. And I feel like that's the word for the church today, that God is wanting us to realize, don't worry, I've got this. Trust me, I've got this. We think it's a big deal, we think it's huge. Jesus says, I've got this. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't worry about it. I mean, worry, what does worry do? It, it, it will mess you up, but it won't resolve the issue at all. Turn it over to Jesus. Tell him about it and trust that he will take care of it. His word to the church, don't worry, I've got this. See, sometimes people forget to realize that when Jesus lived on the earth during those 33 years that he was here was not a good time for Israel. Israel was under Roman occupation. Rome was merciless. They were cruel. They were heavy-handed. They taxed heavily. They were an oppressive occupying force in Israel. In fact, they were so oppressive that, that the Jews could not even appoint their own high priest. Rome did that for them. So there was, there was Rome's hand even in their faith, even in their religious uh, observations. They had to get permission from Rome every time they wanted to do something that was a little bit out of the ordinary because they didn't want to shock somebody from Rome and have soldiers walking down the street toward a synagogue. So this was the day that Jesus lived in. This was the day, you remember, when Jesus was born, a Roman ruler got threatened by, by the fact that someone prophesied that Jesus was going to be born, and he came into Bethlehem and slaughtered all of the children, all of the babies. That's the kind of occupying force that was there. So into that environment, Jesus is speaking here in John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry about it. I've got this. I can't tell you how many times in reading through the scriptures, I would love to see a rerun. I mean, have you ever read some of the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, great men of faith and things that happened, Daniel in the lion's den. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there when the king says, go ahead, throw him into the lions. And Daniel gets thrown in with these lions. And these lions, this is not a petting zoo. This is... 
This is, this is where they throw really nasty people. They only feed these lions when they've got a nasty person to throw in there. And it, the history tells us that people usually never lived to hit the floor of the, of the pit. The lions would snatch them in midair, crunch, and it was over. I won't go into all the details. Let your imaginations so when Daniel was thrown in with the lions, can you understand maybe a little bit of panic in Daniel? And yet I believe, I believe with all of my heart that he heard a voice out of heaven. Just that, that still small voice. Don't worry, Daniel. I've got this. And you remember the story. The king comes the next morning and he, he says, open, open up the pit. I've got to know because he really loved Daniel. He didn't want to throw him in the pit, but there were some men that kind of put him in a corner and, and made it so he had no choice. So he came to the pit, he says, Daniel, are you okay? Now, think about that. He's talking to a bunch of lions. Because anybody else that they threw into the pit didn't last, just seconds. He calls out, Daniel, are you okay? Are you okay? And Daniel says, King, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm still alive. Why? Because God spoke to him and just said, Daniel, I've got this. Daniel had three good friends. You read the book of Daniel, they were the foursome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were also, uh, they were, they were people that had been taken from Israel back to uh, you know, this pagan land and they were promoted because of their wisdom and their, and their, their stature and, and their, their expertise. These guys were, they excelled because God blessed them. And people got jealous when they saw these guys being blessed by God and promoted. That's why Daniel was in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got thrown into a fiery furnace. You're, you remember that story. That, that, this, this, is, you know, this is powerful. They, they, they would not bow down to a big graven image of the king. And so the king says, that's it. I've had it with you guys. And he had them stoke the fire hotter than it had ever been burning. And he ordered his soldiers to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound in ropes, thrown into this fire. The guards that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire fell down dead, right on the spot. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, however, were seen in the furnace walking around. And the king looked in and he sees this, these guys walking around and he counts, one, two, three, four, wait a minute. And he asks his, his, his soldiers with him, didn't we just throw three men into the fire? How is it that I see four men? And the image of the fourth is like the son of God. What, there was a glow? It was a fire. <laughs> I don't know. 
But the king recognized that there was something different about that fourth one. And I believe that the fourth in the fire, the son of God himself, the, a pre-incarnate Christ, was there in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I believe he had his arms around him saying, guys, don't worry, I got this. I got this. Don't worry. I believe that when David stood in front of Goliath, I know he had killed a bear. I know he had killed a lion. I know that he had chased coyotes away. I know that he had done all of that stuff. And that's, that's all fine and good. But this man was different. This man was pure evil and he was huge. And Daniel was young. Or David, rather, was young. And all he had was a slingshot. some stones that he'd picked up out of the, the brook. We went to Israel and we visited the place where, where David battled with Goliath. We actually looked across a valley and the guy says, it's over there. That's where David was. This wasn't in a land far, far away. This was a real life story and David stood in front of Goliath and he prayed. And he prayed, God, help me. Help me to, to, to do my very best. God, help me to win this battle. And I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to David and said, David, don't worry. I've got this. I've got this. And I believe that the same message is here for you and for me today. You know, it's impossible for me to know what kind of issues that you're facing or for you to know what kind of issues I'm facing. There's no way. But the Holy Spirit discerns everything about us. He knows everything that's going on in our lives. He knows about the, 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 the conflicts and he knows about the secret things that maybe no one else could possibly know, he knows everything that touches you and everything that causes you fears. And to those things, I have a word from God for you. Don't worry. I've got this. Now, there's, there's different ways that we can handle a word from God. I really do. I believe this is, this is for you today. And, and some of you, you'll walk out of here today. Oh, that was interesting. Okay. Or maybe you'll say, no, that was really crazy. Wow. But hopefully, you'll take it and apply it to that very situation that you know you're dealing with. That person you can't get along with that person you haven't been able to forgive. No, that person you have chosen not to forgive. I sat in the car with a minister. We were driving down the highway and I knew that he had gone through something really tough in his family. His daughter had married uh, a man and uh, some months after they were married, this man 
came out of the closet and said he was gay, divorced this man's daughter. Yes, it messed up the daughter's world, of course. It messed up uh, her family. They, they, just, they were blown away by this. They had known this young man. They had, you know, he was not an unknown factor. And so I was asking him, how did, you, how did you come to the place where you forgave him? And I looked over and I saw his face starting to turn red. And I saw his jaw start to clench. And I realized it hadn't happened. And then words came out of his mouth that I'll never forget. He said, I don't have to forgive him. And I remembered the passage that we call the Lord's Prayer. It was the prayer that Jesus gave for us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then after that it says, for if we don't forgive others who have sinned against us, your heavenly Father will not be able to forgive you. See, when we hold unforgiveness, when we hold bitterness in our heart toward anyone, we're messing with something that we have no idea how powerful it is. See, forgiveness is the heart of salvation. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. Forgiveness. It's a gift from God. It, it's, it's at the very crux of why Jesus came and died on the cross. He took your sins and my sins and died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. He paid the penalty. He took the punishment. So for us to close our heart and hold on to unforgiveness toward anyone, God takes that very seriously. He was willing to die so that they could be forgiven. How dare you hold on and not forgive? Especially you who have been forgiven so much. So this morning, you need to make an application in some area of your life, and I'm just laying that out. I'm saying, I, I felt earlier this week that was something I needed to say. I was in an airplane and sitting next to a guy, and we started talking, and usually when someone asks, you know, well, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm a minister. That usually kind of ends conversations. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just does. And uh, this guy was very, very inquisitive. He says, tell me, what do you see as the biggest problem in the church today? I thought for just a second and I said, unforgiveness? Now listen to that. The biggest problem in the church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. His body, unwilling to forgive. 
Lord, help us. Unforgiveness will block, it, it will be a, a, a rock in your, in your relationship with God. It will block you from having that free flow of communication. If you can't forgive, God says, then I won't forgive you. Would you just for a minute, would you just bow your head? Let's just make a little quiet time right now, a little window, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Dear Jesus, you know exactly what you're doing. Thank you for forgiving us of all of our sins. We've done things terrible against you and against your kingdom. We've rebelled against you. We've, we've cursed you. We've denied you. We've disobeyed so many ways. Forgive us of our sins. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to release, to forgive others who have sinned against us. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you put that, that individual that we need to release Put them in our mind, in our heart. Okay, look this way a minute. For those of you that you, you envision somebody, some God brought someone to your mind, someone that you need to, to forgive, let, let me give you some helps. Even people who have never asked for forgiveness, you can forgive. And some of you are saying, well, I could never forgive what they have done. Uh, you know, Jesus forgave you, so I know you can. But here's how it starts. It starts with the decision, I release them. They don't owe me anything. I release them. You're putting them in God's hands. And believe me, that's a whole lot better than you holding on. It's kind of like that line from Frozen. Let it go, let it go. There was a, a friend of mine who was an evangelist and he had a vision that God gave him. He was walking on the, on the shore and the, you know, the water coming, lapping at his feet and... and uh, as he's walking along, just enjoying the beautiful sunshine, blue sky, seagulls flying over. One of those seagulls kind of swept down a little bit low and released a load that just smacked him on the face. This is in his, in his vision. And he's standing there just totally disgusted. And he looks up at the bird and kind of sinks his feet down into the sand. He says, you come back here and wipe this off. I'm not moving from this spot until you come back here and wipe this off. And the bird kept flying. 
Well, of course he did. If he knew, he didn't care. And he's certainly not coming back. And so God, in the vision, God spoke to this, this man. He says, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand there for the rest of your life with that stuff on your face? Or are you going to wipe it off and go on? And so he wiped it all off. And he went on. A few nights later, God gave him another vision. And in that vision, he's back on the shore and he's walking along and he's enjoying the, the, the out, out of doors and God says, you're, you're not as effective as you could be. He says, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you've got one hand that you're not using at all. And he looked down and he opened it up and there was all that stuff and he says, and, and every once in a while, you want to have a pity party, and what do you do? You go, oh, and you put her right back on. He said, wipe it off and let it go. And when you make that decision, I choose, I'm not going to live here. I'm not going to give that person free rent in my mind, in my heart, I'm not going to let this keep me from going on. I choose to forgive. That's not an easy decision, but that's the first one. And when you get to that place, God will whisper to you, don't worry. I've got this. I've got this. The second step is you start seeing them the way, the way God sees them. They're a creation of God. They're one of God's children. They might be wandering. They might be doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing, but God loves them. I heard someone the other day say, you know, we need to be praying for Kim Jong-un, the North Korean leader. And honestly, it hit me. It was like, well, Yes, we should. Wouldn't that be incredible if he received Christ and his life was totally transformed? You talk about shaking up the world. Wouldn't that be, Lord, let it happen. He's, if we can see all people as God's creations, that God designed them to have relationship with him, then it, it makes it easier for me to say, okay, I, I let it go. I release them into God's hands. And then the third one, and this, one, this one's maybe a little bit tougher. They, they keep getting a little bit. The third one is pray for them and say, Lord, bless them. Now you've turned it totally around. Instead of holding your fist up, you're saying, Lord, bless them. Be better to them than what they deserve. You, some of you, Dave Ramsey fans, you, you hear Dave Ramsey on, on and somebody say, how are you doing? He says, I'm better than I deserve. That's, that's his little line. I love it. 
but really that's a blessing that Paul used, may God be better to you than what you deserve. You read it in the beginning of, of several of his books. Grace and, how does he say that? Grace and favor be to you. What he's saying is, may the grace of God and the favor of God, may he be better to you than what you deserve. That's what God has for you. That's what God has for them. So let it go. Release them to God and bless them. And in the process, God will bless you. He's big enough, he can handle that stuff. So one, one last time. Would you stand with me? I uh, had a professor in college that says when you're, when you're done drilling, uh, oh, how do you say that? He says, when you're done, just quit boring. You know, when you're done drilling, quit boring. I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray with you that, that you'll take that word this morning. That word from John 14.1, I know we've talked about several things, but that John 14.1, don't worry. Let not your heart be troubled. Let God take care of it. Don't worry, he's got it. Jesus, you see our hearts. And you see every person that's here. Lord, we release these things to you. We make a choice today to turn over these issues to you. A a job situation, a financial problem that we're faced with, a school that's starting here in just days. Lord, all of these things, we turn them over to you. Relationships with a neighbor who has a barking dog. Lord, you be Lord of all. Our world situation and the chaos all around the world, we choose today to put our trust in you. We choose not to worry, not to let our lives be consumed with the what ifs, but to put our trust in you and not worry. Lord, we choose to put our loved ones in your hands, some that are are far from us. Lord, we choose to trust you. We choose not to let our heart be troubled. We believe in you. We trust you. Take control of all of these areas, things that are beyond our control. We put them in your hands right now. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Brother Mark. Jesus. Hallelujah, Father God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We've just heard from the pastor of all the pastors in South Dakota. It's very obvious. We've heard from God. We've heard from the Holy Spirit. We've heard from the Word of God. This week, when we're tempted to not go along with these directives to keep ourselves free, I just ask you to remember, we've heard from the pastor of pastors, we've heard from the Holy Spirit, and we've heard from the Word of God. And now I just dismiss you in the name of Jesus. Let the blessing of the Lord be upon you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.